a living faith is what is a saving faith. And so a dead faith is no faith at all. Uh, the faith of just the, the knowledge that there is a creator is not the, the faith that justifies. The faith that justifies is that faith that trusts, it clings to the promise. It's a living faith that sustains throughout life, holding on to the promise of the gospel. Five hundred years ago, Martin Luther would gather around the kitchen table with friends and theologians to talk about the Bible, theology, current events, and anything else. These discussions were called table talks. No matter what the question, the conversations always centered around Jesus and His promise of the forgiveness of sins. Table Talk Radio takes up the conversation, bringing the promise of the gospel to our lives. Stay tuned for Table Talk Radio. And you know what that sound means? It's time for another edition of Table Talk Radio. I'm Evan Gigline here with Pastor Brian Wolfmuller. Hello, Evan. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing great because we have a great lineup for Table Talk Radio today. We are playing uh, Bible B with your arch nemesis. <laughs> we have, I think, every contestant we have on this game for Bible B is your arch nemesis. Uh, but this... I have arch nemeses. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry, nemeses. <laughs> Arch Nimesi. <laughs> In Hebrew, it would be Nimesim. <laughs> uh, but th- this one is Pastor Brian Ketchelmeyer. We will uh, be bringing him on in just a bit to play Bible B, but before uh, before that, we have to uh, do our buzzwords. Uh, the theological buzzwords is where we uh, give each other buzzwords. They have to work it in. Uh, pretty self-explanatory. But the, the buzzword I have for you, Pastor, is Nuke de Menace. Uh, nice. <laughs> let's see. In Latin, that means now dismiss. Now dismiss. And All it right. comes from the Song of Simeon, where he says, uh, "Lord, now let your servant depart in peace, right. according to your word." He he sees Jesus there in the temple. He holds him in his arms, and he says, "Now I'm ready to die." Oh, it's absolutely beautiful. That's Nunc right. Dimitris. And it comes into our uh, liturgical service and the divine service after. Uh, um, we receive the, the Lord's body and blood in the in the sacrament. So very fitting to be yeah. to be sung right there. Yeah, we have now. We like Simeon have Jesus, and we we too are ready to die. Beautiful. My uh, theological buzzword for you is infallible. 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 That means unable to err, and it's a word commonly used to describe the scriptures being the word of God. God cannot lie, so his scriptures, his word, cannot err. I should probably write that down this time. Okay, infallible. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'm ready. Uh, let's introduce our uh, contestant then for Bible B is uh, Pastor Brian Ketchelmeyer. He's Pastor of Redeemer Lutheran Church in Los Alamos, New Mexico. Welcome. Hi, Evan. Good to, good to be here. All right. Well, are you, you remember how this works? I, I give. We have three rounds. Uh, the first round, I give you three verses. Um, second round, uh, one verse, and the last round, one word. And uh, by these clues, you have to identify what book of the Bible it's in. And uh, I think we have a little bit of an added thing here, don't we, Pastor uh, Wolfmuller, that um, we also talk about whether this passage is law and or gospel in identifying yes, these Yes, so well. this is the Bible B law and or gospel super game. So gather around the children. Try to settle them down, though. We don't want them to get too excited. We want them to be able to hear the game. But gather around the children. It's time to play Bible Bee. It's hard to get the kids settled down when Table Talk Radio is on. They're, they're oh, so yeah, excited. Right. It's like it's like Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Oh, boy. <laughs> okay, are you ready for your I first know, round? I don't know if you're Pirates of the Caribbean or you're It's a Small World or <laughs> Space Mountain. Uh, yeah. I don't know what ride you are, Evan. I don't even know these rides, so you're doing better than me. Well, first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes Disneyland with your baby carriage. I wouldn't know. Okay, are you ready for the first round, Pastor Ketchmeyer? Hey, I'm ready. I don't know if Pastor Wolfmiller is, but all right. Well, I wish you. Oh, I'm ready. <laughs> I oh. wish you the best of luck. And your first round, the verses go like this: For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves; it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Any idea what book of the Bible that might be from? Well, when we talk about the language of being saved by grace and the wonderful gift that we have from God, we see that gift most clearly revealed to us in the gift of Jesus to the world. And so this right here would be most likely a uh, passage from the New Testament, and I would say from the Epistle to the Ephesians, uh, Paul writing this uh, wonderful message that we have of salvation by grace alone in Christ. That is correct. Ephesians it is. So will this be then law and or gospel? Well, this would most definitely be gospel, that uh, we have been given this gift, and uh, faith itself is a gift, that we actually uh, take this gift to be our own as we believe the promises uh, that God has given to us. That is correct. So 200 points for correctly identifying the book. And then, oh, wait, is it 100 per round, and then we increase? Is that how it goes? Okay, so 100. If you want to be stingy to Pastor Ketchumire, <laughs> I guess you could only give him 100 points. <laughs> I thought you got 100 for the first round, two for the second, uh, three. Uh, yeah, that's probably, I think that's true. Yeah. Okay, so 100 for identifying the book, but 200 for identifying that it was gospel. So you're sitting with 300 points. All right. All right. So, Pastor Wolfman, are you ready for your first round? <laughs> oh, of... yeah, I'm ready. I'm always ready. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here it is. <laughs> if the scourge kills suddenly, he mocks the dis- the despair of the innocent. The earth is given into the hand of the wicked. He covers the faces of its judges. Uh, if it is not he, then who is it? Now my days are swifter than a runner. They flee away. They see no good. Oh, man. Okay, so this this is Old Testament, I'm fairly sure. Or it could be apocryphal. Uh, <laughs> Why, Ketchmeyer, what? Uh, <laughs> How Seminary could and Gagline has been known to uh, put apocryphal texts on me in this game. <laughs> could be from the Babylonian Talmud. You never know. <laughs> but it's uh, Old Testament, so it's going to be the uh, one of the prophets, the Old Testament. That's the book, books of the prophets. And it's personal, too, that last little line there talking about how, how did it go? I deplore the day. What did it say? Nothing like that. <laughs> the last verse I read was, now my days are swifter than a runner. They flee away. They see no good. Yes, my days see no good. They run away. I'm dying, this sort of thing. talks about the scourge, too. So th- this is kind of a, uh, a personal note of one of the prophets, which would lead me to think perhaps Job, uh, who s- would speak like this, or Jeremiah, the weeping, weeping prophet, or Lamentations, also by Jeremiah. Those would be my best guesses on this. So I'm going to say this comes from Jeremiah. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, shoot. Not, nope, not Jeremiah. This is actually the book of Job. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. So close. That's about as close as I've ever gotten on this. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you can still still play law and or gospel. Not that it's worth any points, but um, (laughs) law and or gospel. That's another little uh, rule addendum that Seminarian uh, Gagline has invented, that if you don't get the book right, you can't get any law gospel points. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this is Job talking about his afflictions, I suspect. I mean, that's what it's uh, this kind of despair that comes from the this disaster that's been wrought on Job. And this would be then to be brought to the end of ourselves and despair of ourselves and the days and the goodness of God. This is the result of the law. Uh, it shows forth... Um, this kind of uh, the horrendous results of the law where we realize that we in ourselves have have nothing good at all so this text would be a text of law law it is well good job hey that's worth anything you you get my congratulations sorry Um, I love it though (laughs) I love to be congratulated by you all right you know uh, what I when I waited tables you know what we used to call that a lip tip Hey, thanks. Service is so great. This is a great restaurant. We love coming here. And then you get like a 50 cents for the tip for the meal. That's Well, see, I usually tip according to the service. So if you're getting 50 cent tips, maybe. uh... (laughs) All right. Give Pastor Ketchermeyer some more chance. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, here we go. Pastor Ketchermeyer, your second entry is this. You get one verse, and it's worth 200 points if you correctly identify the book. And that is, even so faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. I see. Um, in the, uh, again, this is going to be a, a book in the New Testament, and I, I'm looking at uh, most likely a, uh, a further commentary on the gospel, as one of the epistles would be, and I'm thinking of the epistle of James. James it is. You are correct, and it is from James <laughs> chapter 2, verse 17. Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. Now, maybe the part that's a little bit tougher is, is this law or gospel? Well, that, that's Ooh. a good question. When this, this passage right here is going to expose the sin, and of course the, the inbred sin that we have in our hearts, uh, where there's a lack of, of works, a lack of love that uh, flows from faith that's given to us as a gift, this would be law, which is going to expose a dead faith, and that's going to expose the condition of the heart. So law. Right. All right. Well, okay, so 200 points for correctly identifying the book and another 200 for a law and their gospel. Um, let's see. That uh, brings you to <laughs> 700 points. <laughs> All right. You shall not covet your neighbor's table talk radio <laughs> Law and or gospel. That's law. <laughs> maybe, maybe if uh, Table Talk Radio points were something to be coveted, that would, it would matter. We need to take a quick break. We're going to play more Bible B with Pastor Brian Kesselmeyer versus Pastor Brian Wolfmiller. Right after this break, don't go away. listening to Table Talk Radio.
700 points to zero is the score. The 700 is Pastor Ketchemeyer, our guest, uh, Pastor of Redeemer Lutheran Church, Los Alamos, New Mexico. And the zero, if you can believe it, is Pastor Brian Wolfmiller, co-host of Table Talk Radio. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, want, I want Pastor Ketchemeyer actually to earn his 700 points here by giving further comment on this verse that you had from James, faith without works is dead, because uh, in the Reformation, this verse was used against the Lutherans. They say, you Lutherans teach faith alone, but look, uh, James says, faith without works is dead. So, uh, so uh, Pastor Ketchemeyer, do you want to make a couple comments on that idea that... Um, that faith without works is dead, the scripture text that we had, doesn't conflict with the doctrine of faith alone. Yeah, that's an excellent point. The the irony in this whole thing is that was actually a knee-jerk reaction by the so-called theologians of the Roman Catholic persuasion, who made a quick response to the article of justification by faith alone, that they were saying that, well, James says the contrary. Now, of course, then they had to backpedal on that and said, well, not actually. But originally, that was their knee-jerk reaction response. And then, of course, when Melanchthon handles it well, explaining that we are in full agreement with James, because this is exactly what we're talking about. A living faith is what is a saving faith. And so a dead faith is no faith at all. Uh, the faith that just the, the knowledge that there is a creator is not the, the faith that justifies the faith that justifies is that faith that trusts, it clings to the promise. It's a living faith that sustains throughout life, holding on to the promise of the gospel. Yeah, that, that's right. In fact, in that in that same same passage, it'll say, um, uh, "You you believe there is a God? Well, well, great. The demons believe that and shudder." Again, expanding on the, the demons, of course, don't have the the living faith that uh, James is talking about. Right. Right. Okay, well, I think I think that's uh, seven hundred points well earned. Um, <laughs> all right, let's let's see if Pastor Wolfner can get his round two. This is where I catch up. <laughs> okay, well, here's your opportunity. The close, excuse me. Uh, ready? That's not going to help with the who wants the data seminary and hotline right there. <laughs> All right. Uh, are you ready? <laughs> the, closest, ready. <laughs> the closest relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself because I would jeopardize my own inheritance. Redeem it for yourself. You may have my right of redemption, for I cannot redeem it. Yeah. Woo. Uh-oh. He sounds pretty confident in this, this, this entry. <laughs> this is a discussion about the law of redemption, a law that Moses outlines in Leviticus. And the idea here is that if, if someone's out in slavery, they can be bought back by the, uh, by the closest relative. They can be redeemed from slavery by the relative. And that then comes into play in the story of Ruth. Remember, Naomi goes down to, uh, uh, to where were they, on the other side of the ocean there, on the other side of the Dead Sea. What's that, Moab, or where'd Naomi go? Anyways, there's a famine, but they come back, and, and Ruth comes back with Naomi, back to the promised land, and there they are destitute, and so Ruth goes out, and she's gleaning in the field behind uh, Naomi's uncle or something, uh, Boaz. 
I'm messing up the story, but that's the story. And then, uh, and then Boaz sees Ruth and he takes pity on her and he wants to marry her. But he says, I, I'd like to redeem you to pay your redemption price, but I can't do it because there's a closer relative. And so he goes to the relative and he says, you have the opportunity to redeem Ruth, but oh yeah, you also have to marry her. And then this is his response. He says, I can't do it. I've got fields and all this stuff to take care of. So then this opens now the opportunity for Boaz to come and redeem Ruth and to marry her as well. So this is the story of Ruth. So what book of the Bible do you think it's from? (laughs) Ruth! Oh. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, (laughs) Lie under gospel. Such disappointment. (laughs) Listen to you. (laughs) Finally, I got one. Where is the voice of triumph? (laughs) Where's the crowd sounds? Everyone out there in Table Talk Radio land is cheering. Pastor Wolfbuehler finally got a book of the Bible. Maybe he does read it. I listen to you and your gloomy voice. <laughs> All right. You're not Woo! out of the woods yet, though. You have to de- determine whether this is law and or gospel. This, re- this picture of redemption uh, in the Old Testament is given as a type of the gospel. So the Lord it puts into his law this picture of redemption so that you can come and pay the price to rescue someone out of slavery. Now, uh, in its original use, it would be law. Really, it would be part of the ceremonial law or the civil law of the people of Israel. Uh, So not necessarily part of the moral law, but the civil and ceremonial law. Uh, But it's pointing to the gospel, the fact that Christ has redeemed us, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. And so insofar as this uh, whole picture of Ruth is a picture of the redemption that we have in Christ and the whole portion of the law that teaches the law of redemption is, uh, is, our, um, uh, is pointing to our redemption in Christ, this is a beautiful picture of the gospel. Right. That's another 200. Um, so <laughs> you now have 400, but it's no match to the 700 that uh, Pastor Ketchelmeyer holds. <laughs> We'll see. I'm coming. I'm on your heels, Bri. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the uh, the last round is pretty tough because uh, it, you only get one word. And oh. uh, so, <laughs> Pastor Ketchum, are you ready for uh, the the one word entry for to guess which book of the Bible? Okay, one word. All right, and and yours actually comes in the form of a name. <laughs> okay. And your name is Nicodemus. Nicodemus. Well, I know that in the Gospel according to St. John, we have the account of Nicodemus coming to Jesus uh, kind of in cloak, uh, in the the shadow of night, to come and talk to Jesus about what is taking place, because he knows that Jesus is sent from God. And that's in chapter 3 of John's Gospel. And they, they discuss how uh, Jesus is talking about how a person must be born of water and the Spirit, uh, talking about the wonderful gift that we have in holy baptism. So I'll say it's in the New Testament in the Gospel according to St. John. That is correct, the Gospel according to St. John. Um, bonus points, anyone who knows what the word Nicodemus means? Well, Nico means, it's a Nike, that means victory. Demas means, uh don't know. <laughs> wow, that's pretty impressive. I, I just double-clicked on it on my little Lebronics thing, and it told me. But you actually know. Uh, it's uh, innocent, Victory over Demas. Uh, <laughs> innocent blood or uh, victor over the people. Huh. 
Demons. Well, there you go. <laughs> but anyway, um, that's neither here nor there. Uh, to, to put this in context for Law Under Gospel, why don't we talk about uh, that? what you just brought up with Chapter 3. And Nicodemus comes to uh, Jesus kind of at night. And the, the, the discourse goes like this. Jesus uh, says, unless you, uh, one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus is baffled by this, saying, wait, how can someone enter the womb a second time? And he says, no, you don't understand. You must be born, born from above. Uh, would, that, would that discourse be law and or gospel, Pastor? Oh, this is a wonderful gospel because it's the work of God coming to us by the Father sending the Son. And then, of course, the Son uh, and the Father will send the Spirit, and the three work together in unison to draw us into fellowship with them and to bring us to newness of life. And so it talks about the wonderful regeneration that we have in Holy Baptism. This is definitely gospel. And uh, isn't it true... (laughs) I'm setting you up for a softball here. Isn't it true that uh, John 3, 5 here is talking about two baptisms, uh, yeah. water and the Spirit? Two ba- oh, right I'm there. sorry, two baptisms. <laughs> no, I'm talking about one day. There's only one baptism in the Scripture. Your says. points were right <laughs> on the edge there. There's only one baptism. The Spirit and the water is the one baptism because it's in the, the vehicle, the means through which God establishes of water in His Word that we are promised the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay. So a good thing they didn't ask that question during my theological interview for Vicarage then. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, that's <laughs> uh, 300 points for getting Nicodemus and another 200. So that brings you to 1,200 points for Bible B. Uh, congratulations, Pastor Ketchelmeyer. And, <laughs> and now <laughs> we have a couple minutes then to uh, give Pastor Wolfmuller his one word. <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, his 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 one word is in the form. Calm down there, of uh, a seminarian. Fraction, <laughs> three tenths. Where does three tenths appear in the Bible? <laughs> oh man, three tenths. All right, we're going to be able to limit it to a number of things. I think where this is going to be more likely to come. Uh, the book of. Revelation, and really all apocalyptic books love numbers. So a lot of the numbers come in Revelation. Three-tenths of the uh, of the rivers are turning to blood and all of this sort of thing. Three-tenths of the stars are falling down. Uh, you also have um, a lot of numbers in the law. For example, Leviticus and um, uh, maybe even numbers are talking about uh, restitution for things if... Um, if you steal something, you're giving restitution uh, the uh, seven times or three times, things like this. But I think the fraction like this really uh, is going to be most likely to come in an apocalyptic text. And so I'm going to say the book of Revelation. Uh, is Pastor Wolfmuller right? We will find out right after this break. <laughs> Don't go away. and We'll find out whether or not Pastor Wolfmuller oh, is right in determining whether three-tenths is a place... Revelations is the place three tenths is found in the Bible. Don't go away. More Table Talk Radio right after this break. Chris Rosebro, host of Fighting for the Faith, and I want everyone to know that Table Talk Radio is my favorite Lutheran theological game show recorded in Evan Gagline's dorm cell.
Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We are playing Bible Begin, Pastor Will from their guests, whether the the word or the fraction three-tenths is found in the book of Revelation. And I'm going to read the whole verse, and we'll see if Pastor Wolfmiller changes his mind or not. You shall then offer with a bull grain offering of three-tenths of effing fire, flour mixed with one half of hen oil. Oh, Would you like to hold to Revelation? Yeah. <laughs> what was my other option? Didn't I say Leviticus? That sounds like it's got to be either Exodus or Leviticus, but probably uh, Leviticus. Ah, Leviticus. Well, there is a, there is one mention of it in Leviticus, Leviticus 14. Oh, yeah. But what I just read was Numbers 15. So there's actually Numbers. two books of the Bible you could have named. And uh, it appears many more times in, in Numbers. But uh, So do you want to talk about Leviticus or Numbers <laughs> for, uh, for law and or gospel? Well, I, how about both? How about we talk about the sacrifices? Would that suit you all right? That would suit uh, me just fine because it's not really worth any points anyway. <laughs> I, I named it as one of the options, though, didn't I? Man, both yeah. uh, first and third round, I had it in the short list. Hey, I have, well, I have a good idea for, a, for another Table Talk radio liner. It will be like uh, Evan Gigline, fair and balanced. <laughs> Three tenths fair and balanced. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, here. There's two types of sacrifices. How about this discussion? This is uh, perhaps helpful for our listener. Um, there's two types of sacrifices in the Old Testament. There's sacrifices with blood and sacrifices without blood. Uh, and uh, th- these are really pictures of two things: the blood sacrifices. These are the atoning sacrifices, and they are given as really as Old Testament shows or preachings types uh, of the death of Jesus so w- when the priests were there in the temple sp- spilling this blood that would uh, uh, that would be on the altar and then once a year would be brought into the holiest of holies and would cover the Ten Commandments to stand between God's wrath and the people this is a picture of the sacrifice of blood and that was to come on the cross of Jesus the Hebrews says the blood of bulls and goats can't take away the uh, sins but uh, but they, the bu- blood of bulls and goats in the Old Testament was the promise of the taking away of sins that would be in the death of Jesus. Then there's a second type of sacrifice. It's called the wave offering or the thank offering. Uh, and they're the non-bloody sacrifices, the sacrifices of wheat and of wine, like the one that you um, uh, mentioned there, uh, the three-tenths of an ephah, or however it comes across. Um, and these would be really pictures of the of the offerings uh, that we offer as Christians in the church in thankfulness to God. They they would be the good works of the Christians, uh, the prayers that we pray, the uh, the faith uh, that that uh, the good works that come from faith, like that verse from James talked about. Uh, and these are the continual offerings in the church uh, in thankfulness to God for the gift of the one offering of His Son on the cross. Very good. <laughs> So the final score, <laughs> Pastor Brian Ketchum, our 1,200 points with Pastor Brian Wolfmiller's 400. Well, don't worry, Pastor Ketchumar. We have another game for you to play to get even more Table Talk Radio points over. No, he past- can't. No, no. We, don't you remember? We've arranged this game oh, so he can't get right. points. He has to say yes or no, and then all of his work is benefits either you or me. Uh, this is name that Lutheran confessional document, <laughs> and we're doing it Table Talk Radio. St- uh, wait, wait. Hollywood, Hollywood Square, Square style. style. There's yet to be anything that's done table talk radio style. <laughs> that's unheard of. Oh, boy. When my wife, uh, burned, if she were to burn the dinner, she'd say, oh, that's table talk radio style. 
Well, that's probably true. All right. Well, this is where we where we read a section from the the Book of Concord, which is the the Confessions of the Lutheran Church, and you have to identify which document within the Book of Concord that we are reading from. And uh, right. my first entry for you is the following: Our know-it-alls, the New Spirits, claim that faith alone saves; that works and external things can add nothing to it. We answer: It is true. Nothing that is in us does it but faith, and that we hear we, we shall hear later on. But these leaders of the blind are unwilling to see that faith must have something to believe, something to which it may cling and upon which it may stand. Thus faith clings to the water and believes it to be baptism, and these are in which there are there is sheer salvation and life, not through the water, as we have sufficiently stated, but through the incorporation of God's word and ordinance and joining of his name to it. All right. <laughs> any, so any? Now, what do you want me to do, Evan? Guess which book or which, uh, which document from the Book of Concord? Right. So would that would be like the Augsburg Confession. Would that be the Small Code Articles? What, what do you think in, within the Book of Concord that is? Yeah. Now, this is, uh, this is the language that Luther uses when he's uh, talking with the Anabaptists, um, these, uh, these, this group of uh, so-called reformers that are trying to uh, reform the Church like Luther, but in the process of doing that, they disregard the means of grace, specifically baptism in this case, so that when they talk the language of justification through faith alone, they actually want to say alone, apart from anything else, meaning no means, no vehicle through which this uh, salvation is actually bestowed. Um, so it would be, uh, it sounds like Luther talking about this. Now, in the Book of Concord, Luther would either be uh, voiced in either the small called articles or in the large catechism itself. Um, the large catechism expands on the sacrament of baptism, so I'd have to say the large catechism is going to be my guess. All right, Pastor Wolfman. I I thought this was Luther in small called uh, your first inclination there, uh, Pastor Katchermeyer, uh, yeah. where where Luther gets after this idea that the Word of God doesn't come apart, or the Holy Spirit doesn't come apart from the Word of God in the section on confession. Um, but you could be right. Uh, it could be um, large catechism as well. I, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna sink with you if you sink. I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna say yes. The large catechism. What a coward! <laughs> All right, that is correct. It is from the large catechism. <laughs> so 200 points for Pastor Brian Wolfmiller on that for oh, correctly ag- agreeing with Pastor Ketchelmeyer. <laughs> I would have gotten it wrong. Oh, that's great. <laughs> That's good. Pastor that, Wolf is hanging on like like, like a, a life raft. I'll just do whatever you say, I'll, I'll agree. That's right, and earning points for it. Okay, 200 right, I'll for give you. you. 200 for me, bringing to a total of what? Uh, 1,600 or something? Oh, 600. Yeah, I have it right here, 600. All right. Here, here's, a, here's a little portion, uh, Pastor Ketchermeyer, and you can see if you can rightly identify it for... Uh, for seminary and gig line. We right. pledge ourselves to the prophetic and apostolic writings of the Old and New Testaments as the pure and clear fountain of Israel, which is the only norm according to which all teachers and teachings are to be judged and evaluated. Yes, that is, uh, is definitely the language of the formula of Concord. In fact, in the preface, uh, the formula of Concord 
Um, and now, now you're going to have to guess if it's a formula of concourse, solid declaration, or epitome. I'm going to go with the solid declaration, a, a further exposition on the, the articles of faith that uh, are confessed in the, the epitome. So solid declaration of the formula of concord. I actually agree. Well, uh, that's true, it, and that's exactly where it comes from. There it is. 200 <laughs> points. <laughs> Now, what are we, now? What are they? Compa- I mean, why do they need to say this? Of course, the teaching of the church comes from the scriptures. What what gives? Why do they need to uh, come out and say, "Hey, we believe only the Bible is the only rule and norm for doctrine"? Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting question. Um, you would almost think that uh, see what's taking place in the formula of Concord is it's they're formulating an agreement with uh, fellow uh, reformers, if you will, Lutheran reformers, the Protestant, the original Protestants who protested, and uh, they're trying to formulate this concord, this agreement at heart, and so they want to, to base this agreement not on church tradition, of course, which would be the disagreement with Rome, but they want to base it on the Word of God. And so they want to make that clear with their Calvinistic friends and those uh, Lutheran friends of theirs who are leaning towards the Calvinistic uh, flavor that we want to go back to the clear words of the Scripture as the fountain and the source of all revealed knowledge, because the Calvinists had a tendency to go towards a natural knowledge in their mind and trying to logically make things uh, make sense. Well, that's 200 points for me, and we need to go to a quick break, and we'll continue this game named the Document of the Confessions right after this commercial break. Listening to Table Talk Radio, Serious Theology, Seriously Bad Hosts. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We're playing Name That Document Within the Lutheran Confessions. And uh, Pastor Ketchemeyer just identified the last quote to be uh, from the formula talking about the infallibility of Scripture. And uh, we're ready for the next round. Right, and that's you. <laughs> I just I didn't know if you wanted to uh, give me some points for naming the theological buzzword or not. Oh, dear. oh man. <laughs> that's That's an instant 500 points when I don't realize that you used the buzzword. I think that should be a standing rule. So, yes. uh, 500 <laughs> points for using the buzz, buzzword. All right. Pastor Ketchum. Infallible. <laughs> Here's your next entry. In Galatians 2, Paul clearly asserts that he was neither ordained nor confirmed by Peter, nor does he acknowledge Peter as one from whom such confirmation had to be sought. He expressly urges that his call did not depend upon the authority of Peter, yet he should have acknowledged Peter as his superior if Peter were such by divine right. Yes, and uh, that right there, now this sounds like the language of, uh, well, it would be Melanchthon talking about the issue of the the need to be ordained by the Pope of Rome, the the Bishop of Rome, and whether or not that that's a needed uh, 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 needed thing to be a valid ordination. 
So I would say that it's going to be on the, the treatise on the power and primacy of the Pope, on whether or not this is a divinely instituted, uh, you know, that the Pope is the head of the Church. All right, Talking about Peter, of course, and uh, the so-called uh, succession from Peter. Yeah, that's right. There's just a couple of places this could come from. Uh, the treatise is the place that makes the most sense. There's also a short discussion of it in the body of, small, of the small-called articles. Uh, and this could be the apology and the discussion of the power of bishops. But uh, I think this is, uh, I think Pastor Kachemeyer is right here on this uh, being from the treatise. So I'm going to say that he is correct. That is correct. So another 200 Woo! points for Pastor Wolf. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, you ready for another one? I'm ready. All right. How about this one? Christ does not mean to say that leaving parents or wife or brothers is a work that we should do because it merits the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Indeed, such leaving is accursed. For if someone leaves his parents or his wife in order that by this act to merit the forgiveness of sins or eternal life, he's insulting Christ. There's two types of leaving. One happens without a call, without a command of God. This Christ does not approve, for the works which we have chosen are, quote, vain worship. The fact that Christ speaks of leaving wife and children makes it even clearer that he does not approve of this kind of flight, since we know the other command of God forbids deserting wife and children. The other kind of leaving is that which happens by command of God, when a government or tyranny forces us either to leave or deny the gospel. Here we have the command rather to bear the injury, to let property, wife and children, even life itself, be taken from us. This kind of leaving Christ approves. And he adds the phrase, for the gospel, Mark 10 to show that he is talking not about those who do injury to wife or children, but those who bear injury because of the confession of the gospel. We should leave our body, too, for the gospel. Ooh, what do you think? Wow, this is, uh, it, it sounds to be a discussion on the, the deficiencies with the, the Roman concept of, uh, of the vows of a monk, the monastic vows. Now, Melanchthon talks about that, Luther talks about that, so this is where we could get into some uh, confusion or diversion, because they're saying the same thing. Actually, I guess it isn't a confusion, it's a unity. Uh, you have united voices saying the same. Um, so it could either be the apology, where Melanchthon will go into further detail about these monastic vows, or possibly in the small called articles, where Luther uh, addresses such uh, things. Um, I, I'm going to go with the apology on this one. See, I was uh, leaning towards Luther's ex explanation of the Sixth Commandment in the large catechism, but I wasn't really listening because I was looking for my next quote. So <laughs> I'm just going to agree with Pastor Ketchmeyer. <laughs> he is dragging us along by the scruff of the neck. Uh, he is right again. <laughs> The Apology, Article 27, Monastic Vows. You so stole another, mine. I was actually going to read from the same article. <laughs> so another 200 undeserved points for you, Seminarian Giggling. <laughs> okay. It's, a, it's great, isn't it? I mean, Luther makes this distinction here, or sorry, Melanchthon makes this distinction, that uh, to leave house and home for the sake of just being holy and and faithful or something like this, this is just made up works and is not what Jesus is talking about. But if someone is coming and, and forces these things out of our hands because of the gospel, uh, then we then we let them go uh, because uh, because of the gospel. So this really is a reflection of Luther's 
preaching in the hymn, A Mighty Fortress. Take they our life, good fames, child and wife, let these all be gone. They yet have nothing won. The kingdom ours remains because, because the kingdom is the forgiveness of sins. Okay, here's your next entry. Are you ready for this, Pastor Ketchemeyer? All right, I'm ready. All right, here it is. He's uh, he's four for four, huh? That's pretty good. <laughs> with, with no points. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're also, by the way, uh, well, two for two for each of us. That's not yeah, bad. That's right. Not bad. <laughs> We're good at saying that, that Pastor Ketchemeyer is right. <laughs> now, watch, he might try to throw you off. Guess the wrong one on purpose. You never know. Yeah. You never know. Okay, here it is. Small catechism. Okay, (laughs) because up to now people have made such a big display of consecration of monks and nuns even though their estate and existence is an ungodly human invention without any basis in the bible how much more uh, should we honor this godly estate of marriage and bless it pray for it and adore it even in more glorious manner for although it is in a worldly estate, nevertheless, it has God's word on its side and is not a human invention or institution like the estates of monks and nuns. Therefore, it should easily be reckoned a hundred times more spiritual than the monastic estate, which certainly ought to be considered the most worldly and fleshly of all, because it was invented and instituted by flesh and blood and completely out of worldly understanding and reason. Now, yeah. watch out. Last time we played this game and he talked about marriage, it was from the marriage booklet of Luther. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the appendix to the small catechism. Oh, man. Which, uh, get, this does sound like the language of the small catechism insofar as we're talking about the Sixth Commandment. Um, but since the large catechism is a, uh, an expanded uh, uh, teaching on this, I would say the large catechism. Um, on the Sixth Commandment. It's a large catechism. Yeah, the, what's the only other possibility for this would be um, the marriage of priests and the Apology, which I think is where I went awry last time. Um, <laughs> uh, read, read right towards the end, about two-thirds the way through. Read a couple of sentences then in there. Therefore, it should easily be reckoned in a hundred times more spiritual than the monastic estate which certainly ought to be considered the most worldly and fleshly of all. Is that where you wanted? Sure. So this comparison of marriage to monasticism, this is really the burden that Luther carries along in the large catechism on the Ten Commandments. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say yes with Pastor Ketchermeyer again, the large catechism. You know, sometimes the same trick works multiple times. Um, this is actually the small, small catechism, the marriage booklet. Oh, you are so, oh, so pleased with yourself. Wise as a, wise as a serpent. Expe- <laughs> especially because you pointed out the fact that it could be. <laughs> oh, brother. All right, let me try to find a quotation from a footnote. <laughs> Bring it on. We've got another minute oh, here. so One more minute. All right, last one then, I think. Okay. How about this? <laughs> it is also necessary to set forth distinctly what the gospel does, creates, and works in connection with the new obedience of believers and what function the law performs in this matter as far as the good works of believers are concerned. The law indeed tells us that it is God's will and command that we should walk in new life, but it does not give the power or ability to begin to do it. It is through the Holy Spirit 
who is not given and received through the law, but through the preaching of the gospel, who renews the heart. Then he employs the law to instruct the regenerate out of it, and to show and indicate to them in the Ten Commandments what the acceptable will of God is, and in what good works which God has prepared beforehand they should walk. Yeah, this, uh, this should most likely come from the formula of Concord, uh, where they're specifically dealing with the new obedience, uh, the language there, uh, the, the life of the redeemed, those who are in Christ, um, who are a, a new creation and the new man is starting to get, just begin to get these desires to live this holy life and the desire to continue to learn God's Word. Um, so it, definitely the formula of Concord, since it was such long sentences, got to be the solid declaration. <laughs> Boy, that's pretty good. I I don't have any kind of uh, tips to, to push me in other directions. I'm going to have to agree with Pastor Ketchelmeyer. And he is right Woo-hoo. again. All How right. is it that you only miss mine? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'm afraid that's all the time we have. So, Pastor Ketchumayer, thank you for joining us for today for Table Talk Radio. Now oh, depart in peace. <laughs> that doesn't count. Nook to miss. No, no, no points. No points for you. <laughs> Thank you all for listening to Table Talk Radio. Uh, where the points are like, what were the points like? Uh, oh, yeah, your use of theological buzzwords. They don't happen. Except it happened <laughs> this time. I can't. You totally ruined my punchline. <laughs> You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to questions at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message, 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening, and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.